Welcome to the Kavod Family Podcast. Kavod Family exists for the restoration of families and the transformation of communities. Good morning and welcome to the Kavod Family Podcast. This is Casey Wilson and we've got... Travis, what's up guys? Danny, I'm back. <laughs> it is good having you, man. We need to get you in here as much as we can. We love having you on the show. Hey, man, we need to. We definitely need to do that. Uh, hey, summer camp is over. I can do that. Come on, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> but like the next day, you started up with your regular school school program, right? Yeah, but that's in the afternoons. Okay, my mornings are, are good, freed man. up. Yeah. <laughs> are Are you guys? Because I know you're doing a ton behind the scenes with your staffs and in the merge of this. This is we're talking about culture on this podcast. Yeah, and you guys are currently like in this deep in this where you're taking two two different businesses two different cultures exactly so just talk about that because we're about to dive into another point on culture that we've been going down we've been going down authority and love we're going to get into self-control like sound mind proper mindset with this but just talk on culture for a moment what's it been like for the two businesses to come together In all honesty, this is not going to be what you want to hear because we're obviously trying to dive into it. It hasn't been hard because whenever we first started this or I first started this, dad taught me Jesus in culture and family. So from the beginning, it was kind of modeled the same way. And I've had a little a little of my flair and style of it here. But it's it's basically just the same thing with a different personality. So whenever we said this is the mission, this is the why, this is the vision, they're like, yeah, all right, we've been doing that. Now it's just getting the the men and women from both different facilities to see each other as brother and sister, right. to have fun, to like help each other out, have each other's backs. But then what solidifies that is, and you know I'm notorious for this. I did it for like 15 minutes before we started the podcast, is you make fun of each other. You poke. You have fun. Like you let loose a little <laughs> bit. And, and getting that the staff to do that, because at first they're like, I don't know, like you're on your best behavior, you know? And then my staff gets it a lot from me. So when they poke fun at one of the younger ones, they're like, okay, this is this is cool. All right, I'm down for this. Yeah, I'm thinking along the same lines because, you know, the cultures are already pretty much similar, if not the same already. So only difference is right now is getting people to work together. You know, and the hardest part about getting people to work together, it has to do more with personality conflict than it has to do with anything else. However, if the culture is Jesus and Jesus teaches us to look past that, that makes that merger a lot easier. So it's a matter of teaching people, don't be so stuck on different personality conflicts rather than seeing people through the lens of God. If I see what God sees in you, I'm not looking at your personality. I'm looking at the goodness, all the amazing things that God sees. So that if there's a challenge, the challenge is getting people to see each other through God's eyes. That's the easiest way to me to get people to work together. Because at that point, when you remove the personality conflict, it flows so much easier. You know, like you said, I mean, when we get together, everybody's on their best behavior. I don't want to look goofy. Well, you are goofy. Just be goofy. You know what I'm saying? Just keep it. So I just let that happen, you know, and then just get them to learn how to just feel comfortable around each other. So it's it's fun. It's been fun, a lot of fun for me, you know, and I got to I definitely got to get over here a lot more, you know, with the with the guys here at Kavod. Um, But I think it's pretty seamless because the cultures are the same. The culture is Jesus Christ. The culture is the kingdom of heaven. How do you get people to see the culture of the kingdom of heaven more than just personality differences, you know, petty stuff? That's the challenge. But once you can get people to do that, you get people to do anything, man. I mean, it's they'll do they'll they'll climb the mountains, man. They'll do the most amazing things because they'll be operating and functioning like on all cylinders is what I call it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? All spiritual cylinders. 
And it's what we've talked about on the football field. Like the football, the football field is it, man, it is a crazy three hours out there. There's all these different personalities, different age groups, not only in the kids, but in the coaches. And some of the coaches might be believers. Some might not be, some might be out there to live and breathe and live football and win. And that is it. Um, we went to our first college football game this weekend and there was 60 plus year olds screaming every cuss word I've ever heard. <laughs> about someone jumping off sides. And it's just like you you see the culture, like the energy behind that. I'm like, that's cool, someone that passionate. But also I'm like, dude, you're showing your backside over someone jumping off the line of scrimmage. Football game. So culture is power, powerful if it's done well. And we talked about in the last episode, um, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control, right? Sound mind. But power demands a response, Jesus spoke with authority, like he had weight to him. And whenever someone's powerful, if someone is is large, like when Big Jeff walks in the room, everyone looks at him. When someone has a, a demanding demeanor, a voice, or is very authoritative, you naturally kind of respond to them, like you just do. So power demands a response. So the ability to be to to control your culture in a way to understand if you have a lack of culture, it's powerful. That's terrible. It's deadly. It's death in a way. If you have a strong culture, it's life. But like you as the head, you dictate that culture. And how do you dictate it? I know with most of the time to get a new culture going or to kind of reshift something or get people to look at you in a certain way is like you do life with them. You do what Jesus did. You love, you laugh, there's experiences, you play, you do hard things together. That's how you start to get people's ears and you get their eyes and you get their attention. And then you can make the pivots and the shifts and the things that you need to do to make it better. So there's the, so there's a flavor that is Danny. There's a flavor that is Travis or Lydia or Mary. I, we have these flavors, but the the essence, the the ground that we're tilling from, like you said, it all comes from Christ. It all does, and that's the beauty of having Him leading these 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 businesses. It's the same thing with marriage, right? When you have Christ at the head, you have two people that are learning to submit to His culture. Mm-hmm. And so you're pointing each other in the right direction, in some in another direction. It's not just saying, "Hey, get in line with me. Come under my values. Come under my kingdom." And with that, the cool thing is, you know, if if you have a culture like that, there's moments where, you know, you might slip up or you might fail or overlook something or 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 whatnot. And you have people that are even watching your back that can come by you and say, "Hey, just so you know, like I don't know if you realize this, but I know the culture that you're after because it's Christ." It's his culture, and I know yep. we're chasing that together, right? So, so you, you you get everyone chasing the same thing. I was just talking to um, one of my coaches. They're starting their own, I mean, club, kind of kind of like a another business underneath our business, and she's she's running this. I'm, I'm I'm leading her on how to be the director to to handle all of this. The weight is on her, but she gets to come and you know kind of run underneath me. But as far as like running and answering to her coaches and everything else, they come to her. So she's asking me some stuff today. And I said, you always have to reevaluate your heart behind things. Because when you were making a decision earlier, it kind of sounded like this. And then now it sounds like this. And you could tell she started thinking. She's like, okay, yeah. And I said, I constantly am, am, am analyzing my thoughts, my reasons why, and putting them to God yeah. and trying to filter it through the Bible and trying to let him expose when Travis is being selfish and when Travis has a motive and I try to I try to do the best of my ability not have it in Travis's best interest. Sometimes sometimes they'll align for sure, mm-hmm. but I'm looking for God's idea in this and God's vision for how to help the most people. And as a leader, 
sometimes when you're trying to get, I mean, Jeff and I, on the very first episode of Kavod Leadership, we talked about strong leaders. If you look at strong leaders, not that we agree with their values, but like Stalin and Genghis Khan and all these people who conquered, they were strong leaders. Now, they might have exercised it terribly, but they inspired people to a certain outcome. Even gentlemen, I mean, even guys like Hitler, right? His his size and his influence was not big, right? But his conviction Mm -hmm. and his vision was big. And so that's what we mean by this power thing. It's not just a physical dominance. No, 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 yeah. It's a conviction to lead. It's a conviction of this is where we're going. This is the purpose. This is what God has called us to. And that has to be, I mean, as we're building culture, this is where it begins, right? And somebody has that vision to chase after God. Or someone has a vision to build a family. You had a vision to build a family out of a bunch of children that were not biologically yours. You had to cast that vision. Yeah, so conviction typically brings presence with it. So in other words, like if you're fully passionate and convicted, like fully passionate about what it is that you believe in, that you're trying to convey to somebody, when you walk into a room with that, there's a presence that walks in with that as well. And people respond to that presence. Yeah. You know, people can re- people know the difference. They they can feel, they can sense leadership in somebody, right? Whether or not they're willing to follow somebody or not. And what what you had said is it's imperative to have people who are running with you, whether they're like my wife and I, obviously she feels free and I want her to, but she does it really well to analyze or rip apart something that I'm doing wrong. And I don't, I don't, I don't mean that in a negative way. Like the other day I talked to you about it. We had a decision with a nonprofit and I was super passionate on this thought, but I hadn't gotten alone time with God to find my words to lead it. I was just passionate about it. And I was like, what do you think, Lid? What do you think? She's like, of course I think what you're thinking because we're the same person and we we kind of started this thing. But she says, you sound like a, a little high school girl who just got in a drama thing right now. And I was like, <laughs> in that moment, I laughed, wasn't offended, guys. I wasn't offended. It didn't hurt my ego. And what it told me is like, go get alone with God, find your words and lead. Yeah. And I sat down right then and and got in the Bible and God just started giving me scriptures and ideas and thoughts and, and I was like, All right, there it is. Clarity. But someone needed to call me to more. So in that moment she displayed power, exercised in love, and I exercised a sound mind to be like, Oh yeah, you're right. I sound like a I sound like a whiny <laughs> little man right now. And I got my words and then led from there. But it's imperative, guys, as you as leaders, culture is huge. And you, a lack of culture is on you. A strong culture is on you. But make sure you're letting God guide the vision of your culture. Don't let it be about you. If it's if this is about me, I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to be in on it because I'm going to mess it up. Yeah. I want this to be about God. So the idea of teaching that in, in younger leaders, I'm like, hey, make sure this isn't about you or winning games or or this the money or that. Like, what is God saying? And even if it doesn't make sense, run with it. Yes. Okay, so th- this is where we're at. We're talking about culture. If you didn't get, if you're just now jumping in, go back and listen to the the last two episodes. Uh, we start with just talking about culture, what it is, how it all begins with somebody taking that leadership, whether that's in a home, whether that's in a business, whether that's at a school, all over the place, even on road trips. I mean, if you're just planning a trip to go somewhere, there's somebody that has to muster that vision and go after it. And then things, like you said, you always pivot. A leader can always pivot, but you got to get in motion, right? You got to start moving. And and as you're moving, there has to be this culture of love that is always present. 
you're sacrificing, you're thinking of what others need, you're looking after their good, you're covering their sins, like you're creating an environment of love. We're building a family, we're not tearing down each other. We're not competing here, we're actually building a family. And that's like essential to culture. Now we want to get into this last character, uh, self-control, sound mind, another another translation of it, right? Well, you explained, you, you said it earlier, and it was a really good example, a really good depiction, the difference in self-control and a sound mind. Okay, so this this word, it's a, it's a Greek word, right? It could be translated uh, self-control, it could be translated sound mind. Uh, it, it's, it's really that our mind would be in alignment with God's kingdom. Okay, so this isn't just about discipline. When we talk about this virtue, we're not just talking about somebody that has learned to create habits. I get up at this time. I work out at this time. I do these things. It's the culture behind that attitude. Yeah, so that, okay. that, that is a byproduct. The discipline yes. is a byproduct of a sound mind. So take Danny's Karate School, for instance, right? Discipline is necessary there, but that discipline comes under the larger mindset of what a karate student uh, is. It's a bigger bigger mindset. And so the culture that we're coming under is Christ's kingdom, right? That That's the culture. And so our mind has to be readjusted so that way we see as he sees, we go after the things that he wants us to go after. We lead, we love in light of him. That's what's happening. And so it, but it's, so it's a sound mind, but it's a sound mind that resists, like it pushes away. That's where that self-control element comes in, right? So it's active. It's almost like Nehemiah that was standing there building his family at the same time. Like he's building the wall, but he's fighting off the enemy, right? With a sword, a sword and a trowel, that picture. It, that's that picture of what a sound mind is. Like you're, you're, you're in the word of God, you're submitting to him, and yet at the same time you're resisting and pushing off the things that are trying to come into that culture, okay? This will get more practical as we begin to talk about marriage, homes, fatherhood. I mean, it just works itself Absolutely. out. Okay. But that's, that's kind of what we're after. Self-control, sound mind. Um, that's the direction that we're going. Okay. And so, uh, maybe towards the end of this, we'll throw some application for some guys and tie them in, but let's just flesh this out for a minute. Does that work? Yeah. 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 Are you guys on the same page with me as far as sound mind, self-control, Oh yeah, that kind of thing? Oh yeah. Okay. So just talk to me about how God has changed your thinking. Maybe you had ideas about family that you realized, man, these were my thoughts and now they had to be surrendered to his thoughts. Maybe you had ideas about your your work environment or about money or about all kinds of things. But as you're you're developing a culture where people are around you and they're following you, they are watching you submit yourself to God. Does that make sense? They're watching you bring your thinking in line with his with his thinking. So but that's a process. When I think of self-control, you can't, you, you know, I can't divorce self-control from self-discipline, okay? Somebody's always controlling something, okay? When you think about self-control, either you're controlling you or something or someone else is controlling you. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? However, if Christ dominates my life, self-control looks different when it's self-controlling me. Why? Because if Christ dominates my life, that's who's actually going to, I'm going to be under his influence. I'm going to be under his control. Right. Something somewhere, someone is always controlling any one person at any given moment. When people feel like I don't have enough self-control. Yes, you do. How do I know that? Because if there's anything that you're passionate about, oh, you're going to go after that thing. Guess what it takes for you to do that? Self-control. You had to control yourself to go and do that. (laughs) 
right? So everyone's got a measure of self-control within them. Sure. Whether they're exercising that or not is something completely different. Just because they're not exercising it doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah. Having that fruit of the spirit of self-control in God's kingdom is amazing. Having that fruit in the world is self-destructive. It is very self-destructive. Because what will happen is in the world, apart from Christ, who takes credit? You. What happens when that ego swells up? Right? You start making all kinds of stupid decisions. Yeah. Right? Because you think it's all about you, like you, all of that, and then some plus <laughs> a bag of chips. No, you're not actually. Right? Yeah. But in the kingdom, we already understand. But to say that God is in control is not really an accurate statement. I was asked one time, is God in control or is he in charge? Right? Again, is God in control or is he in charge? It's easy to say, well, God's in control. Well, if he's in control, he would have created robots and forced us to love him. Yeah. He's in charge. He, he really guides everything, but he gives us the ultimate gift of what? Free will. You get to make your own decisions, right? However, you get to choose to love God or you get to choose to love the world. You don't get to blame anybody for that choice because you're the one that made the choice. Self-control is a really big part of our everyday lives. How does that apply when it comes to, say, work, business, right? Many people fail because of a lack of self-control. That's all it is. It's nothing else. It's nobody else's fault. It's not because the boss didn't do this or their coworker didn't do that. The issues are within yourself. And and so let's because that's real, right? We all have these desires to start great businesses or to start a great family, but there's little subtleties that come in and it will try to fracture and break that. It might be the temptation to take a little money from the cookie jar, right? It might be the temptation in marriage to look and linger at other women or to let other women into your You have to let that happen. Right. But that's where that self-control fleshes itself out, right? Right. You have, even in your work, you've had temptations where just people have made offers to you and said, hey, if you'll run your school or your after-school program like this, or if you allow these kids to come, and if you you take this donation and do things like this, right, there's always those moments of like somebody else tempting. Tempting. But here's the thing. You got to realize, too. You know, my dad taught me something a long time ago, back in the beginning of all this. He said, you know, son, not every opportunity is the right opportunity for you. Right. And most people don't understand that because opportunity shows up. They're like, oh, that had to be Jesus. But was it really? <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Like if we don't take the time to be connected to the father, you don't get to understand that. People typically think just because an opportunity shows up, that means I got to jump on it. Right. That's not right. That's not accurate at all. Okay. Not every opportunity is the right opportunity for you. However, how do you get to know what opportunity is right for you? It's, it, that depends on your connection to Christ. Right. How connected are you to the Father to be able to hear his voice telling you, son, that's not it? Or and, go ahead. This is it. This is it. And, and the culture comes in, and this is what's cool. The culture needs to see you pause and say, hold on, I need to go get they with do. the Lord. Because that's culture, right? It's not right. enough that you just have the answer. The Let's culture see. has to see you I, submit I to God. With this, though, you're never going to have a sound mind unless you're submitted to God. I'm going to say it again. You're never going to have a sound mind unless you're submitted to God because you don't have that vision. You don't have Mm -hmm. these overarching themes of things that are bigger and better for you and grand in the way the world was designed, the way you were designed and what you were called to. So before, before I came to Christ, like I had these ideas of family. I had these ideas of business and success and, and what I was going to do. And those changed, but those didn't change because I, I looked for a bigger and better way. Like I literally got in the Bible and figured out who God was and who he said I was. 
And I started to chase after him and everything started to change in my life. Like you pursuing him and him being your prize, your vision changes, your culture within yourself changes, your values change. And it talks about the transforming, the, the renewal of your mind, the washing the water of the word. So like when you pursue God, his standards become your standards. And it's not, it's not a list of right and wrong. You realize like this is life and this is breath and this is good and it is a right thing. Like it is right for a man to leave his father and mother and become one with his wife. And there is a there is a true cherishment in that and a and a lovingness in that and a purity in that. And you see that the counterfeit is garbage. But unless you understand that and let God set those standards in your life, you don't know where to go. You don't know what to stand for. You don't know what your culture should be. And if your culture is wrong, you don't have a clue or let alone how to fix it. Yeah. But that's what Satan does is he creates a counterfeit for everything God has. Like the word kavod, it's it's honor, it's glory to, to pursue that. God put that in everybody, especially in men, but he made it to be found in him. And when you find your honor and your glory and your worth in him, and it, it resides in him and it can't leave from him because his presence is the prize, you can go and do anything. And it's just a right. byproduct. But if you if you don't do that, because that's hard. It's hard to swallow something in this world and not pursue it and to go after this thing that you can't really see, but then you learn that you can see it, the thing that doesn't really talk to you, but then you realize he's a dad and he does talk to me. So it's harder. It's the narrow path scripture talks about. The wide path leads to death. But Satan creates a counterfeit in the world of like money, success, drugs, position, power, women, or if you're a lady, men. And all these things are in front of you every day. It's on every MTV video. It's on every rap video. It's on every music. It's everywhere in your face all the time. And it's because it's a counterfeit. And who's controlling you? You said someone's controlling something. Satan is controlling the narrative in this world to distract us from what God has to offer. So you will never have a sound mind unless you go get with your dad because he created you for good things in him. But you, you don't understand what that is, how it looks like, or if you're off in left field unless you're with him. Yeah, there's that old wristband, you know, that everyone used to wear, WWJD, what would Jesus do, right? You could also say there, there's a there's another phrase that has existed for a very long time, and it's the phrase, by what standard? And so when you look at life or you look at business or when you stand up there as a commissioner and somebody says, Danny, how are you going to vote on this? The question really comes down to by what standard? Yeah, what's the standard there is it, in all of that? Is it my standard? Is this God's standard, right? Whose standard? Because there's no neutral ground in all of this. We're all submitting to somebody. No, Everyone we, many is following people try, someone. Many people try to take what you call a neutral ground, but and that's mostly because I don't want to disappoint, or I don't want people to think the wrong thing. But even when you take that, you're still picking a ground. Well, we've been you know convinced I mean? that there's this word secular, and that's the neutral ground, right? Yeah. It's this safe in-between gray zone. But we live in a world where God's kingdom pervades. Like, it is growing and increasing. There's light and darkness, good and evil. Yeah. And that's the reality. And so when we say by what standard, it's either Danny's standard or his. And it's the thing, either Travis's you, or his. You say by what standard. Really, Christ is always a standard. I was laughing a little while ago because, Travis, you know, you were like, you know, well, before Christ, you know, I had one idea of family. And I had to laugh because, man, I had such a clown view <laughs> of family and whatever it is before Christ. I can't tell y'all how excited and thankful I am that Christ came in the picture because my idea of family, I'm telling you right now, if Christ hadn't come in, you ever seen the the, the punch buggy in the circus? You know, they pull up and 
50 clowns jump out of the punch buggy, oh that'd, be, that'd be my family. Okay? I had no idea what in the world I was doing. But when I think of God, of God's standard, you say, by what standard? His standard has never failed me yeah. to date, ever, in anything that I've tried. It doesn't matter what realm it is. It doesn't matter if it's government, personal life, business life, work. It doesn't matter. God's standard always prevails. Now, whether or not we're willing to stick to that standard, irregardless of what the world says, something completely different. Right. However, if you do stick to it, irregardless of what the world says, you will see God's glory in it. Many times we're wondering, how come we don't get to see God's glory? Because we're not willing to stay there long enough to find it. We're not willing to go through any kind of fires to get there. We wanted to just be like all the better roses all day long because that's a culture that unfortunately society have you know, created for everyone. But it sets everyone up for failure. Constantly looking for the easy way out, you know, always running from pain. Think about, you know, we brought that statistic up before, you know, from a, I can't remember the name of the doctor, but he said over 90% of mental illness is caused by people running from pain. Yeah. And what do we do? We create a culture of what? Run from people pain. running from pain. Right. How do we do that? If it's not in terms of physically running, it's escaping through alcohol. It's escaping through drugs. It's escaping through meds. Every one of those are an escape plan instead of what? Dealing. Deal with the issue. Because when you do that, you have a way more productive life ahead of you when you do that. You cannot have that kind of productivity by you running from every issue that comes up. Yeah. So let's let's go down that road real quick and give a little application. Let's do it in terms of relationships. We're men. We're all husbands. Many of our listeners are are in that in that age category. They're either getting married or they are married. They have a family. So let's talk about marriage and the role of self control in a marriage. Can we do that real quick? Yeah. You guys good with that? So if you were to turn to the scriptures, God is constantly. It's a it's a story of God creating family. He's building His family. He gave to us family. He gave to us men. He gave to us women. He, he defined these roles. He creates. He, he tells us this picture to live underneath, right? And so he gives us family so we can experience it. We can experience headship. We can experience beauty and submission. And like, it's just a culture he's given to us, right? So when you look at the scriptures, I'm just going to give you a couple of scriptures and then we'll talk. Proverbs 12, 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Think about that. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. First Corinthians, it's talking about marriage in that portion, chapter 11. And it says that man is the image and the glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. And so you have these pictures, right? What is the glory? Just, just think about a king. What is the glory of a king? It's his crown. He's standing there with that crown on, right? So what does that crown symbolize? It symbolizes treasure, authority, it shows power, weight, it shows wisdom, responsibility, all of it. And and it shows that there's a people that are underneath him, that he's that he's leading this kingdom, right? And so when you think about marriage and what it takes to actually have vision to lead a family, and then the love that you need from Christ to, to steward that and to cultivate that and to do it, okay? And then the self-control necessary in order to actually be faithful to one woman and live with her the rest of your life, right? Because that's what we're after. We want to follow that picture. Marriage is a picture of Christ and his love for the church. Christ is You're not, reading out of Proverbs what? I'm, I'm bouncing all over, but that was Proverbs 12.4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, Okay. How countercultural is that today? Isn't that? I mean, we always talk about, and, and the scriptures talk about a submission there, right? And I just read it, right? 
man is the glory in the image of God, but woman is the glory of man. Think about that. Think about that. And and when you go to your home, like that's the picture you want. You want when when you're in a home where your wife, she respects you, she loves you, she honors you. She listens to the counsel that you have. She guides her home with principles that would reflect the larger family. There's a unity. There's a oneness there. There's not two separate adults that are living in different worlds, right? And when she does that, it's actually showing her beauty. It's not taking away from her. It's showing her beauty, right? Her excellence. I mean, that's an awesome word that he says. says an excellent wife. Isn't that awesome? Not just any wife. An excellent wife. And there's nothing... Like it's not it's not belittling or berating to women in any way. Although the culture today reading the exact same thing would tear a woman down. Yes, and right. it's like, are you, were you even reading the same passage? Like it says, an excellent wife is the crown, the crown of her husband. There's a lot to unpack in that. That's amazing for this particular excellent wife. I remember when we were getting married, Eric and I. And someone came up to her and said, you know, you should really wear red shoes at your wedding because it will show your own independence in this. You're not separate, you know, you're, or you're still separate. You still have your own identity. And she was like, no, I'm dying to that. I'm becoming one. Like, this is my husband, right? And so, so there's this culture that wants to creep, create this independence, but God's mm-hmm. culture is building a family. Right. Now, now, here's the thing. This is where self-control and a sound mind comes in. A husband... Think about this. A faithful husband, as he's faithful, that crown shines. It's beautiful. But what happens when a man is unfaithful? That that crown starts to... to... I mean, it's the other scripture in Proverbs where it talks about uh, the nagging wife. It's like a constant drip of rain off the roof. It's a, a man would rather live on the side of a roof. I'm paraphrasing Travis' version. But it's it's the epitome of, of horrible... Because you're not loving and nurturing and taking care of your wife. It's the polar opposite of a crown. That family culture starts to break down, yeah. right? Yes. Whether it's on the woman's side or on the man's side, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't still matter. break that family down. That that crown starts – people start looking at it and they're like, that's that's a Burger King crown. That's not a real <laughs> crown. That's a fake crown. It's paper mache. And, and, and why? Because it, the culture has to show the kingdom of God. That oneness, that love, that sacrifice, that sound mind, like we are coming underneath his culture, right? And that's that's what self-control and a sound mind does. It is, come on, to be married to one woman for the length of your life. How old were you when you got married? 20. 20. What are you going to die at? 80, 90, 100 years old. Let's say you run to 100 years old. That means 80 years of your life is going to be lived out with this woman. It's going to take self-control. It's going to take a sound mind to just pour your love and affection on this woman. You you know what I mean? There's an element there. In order to show faithfulness, in order to show Christ, it's going to take some self-control to do that, some dying of travel. If you're listening to this, just just remember self-control. Think about that word. Self-control is not just you learning how to be stronger at, at becoming disciplined. It's actually the submitting of your mind to his. Okay? And so... How do you practice that? This isn't like go to the gym and pump iron. This is actually like go in your closet, take your thoughts, read the scriptures, and replace them. Literally. I mean, that's the process, right? I mean, just to give a story real quick, I know we're going to wrap this up. Years ago, I was sitting with my brother 
at a table and he wasn't a believer at the time. And he asked me, he wanted to know my opinion on this and on that and on politics and abortion, all these subjects. He was just asking me questions. And I just kept quoting scripture and opening the scriptures and referring back to it. And he said, stop. He said, I want to know your opinion. And I said, I don't have an opinion. This is my opinion now. (laughs) I have died and this is my opinion. And that's, that's what we're talking about. That's that transition of sound mind to the point to where hopefully the truth and the guidance and the culture that we are living out is one that you can see in the pages of, of the scriptures, right? It's, it's him. I want to get in on the next episode on, cause we've, we've really hit what self-control and a sound mind is and why it's valuable, but I want to give some practical ways on how to do it because you truly cannot do it apart from him. I mean, I could create my own things, but they're going to be flawed and they're going to fall apart. But how do you do it? And you you get in your word and then you apply his standards. So I want to dive into that on the next episode. That would be sweet. (laughs) (laughs) It's powerful. And so um, enjoy. Thank you for following along. Do go back and listen to the last two episodes, Kavod Family Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Kavod Family Podcast. Please like, share, and leave us a review. If you've enjoyed this content, or if you're familiar with some of our programs and partners in the Kavod Family Network, please consider becoming a donor at Kavod Family slash donation. God is in the process of restoring all things to himself. That begins with a person. That person is part of a family, and that family belongs to a community. Vote Family is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry.